You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. For this morning, could you turn in your Bibles to First Letter of John, Chapter 4. First Letter of John. <clears throat> We're continuing the series looking at some of the aspects of the teaching that John's put in his letter. And it's 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read the passage because it makes sense and then I'm going to go through some of the highlights of it. So 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on that day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. And obviously that includes sister as well. But when this was written, uh, my translation does, (laughs) it's not the inclusive one, (laughs) but you know what it means. Um, just referring back to the funeral service in Westminster Abbey of the Queen's funeral, we were talking about it at the men's breakfast yesterday, how moving it was. Um, you might remember that one of the anthems that the, the choir sang was an arrangement of some verses from Romans chapter 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And personally, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, it, w- it was written by a, cur- a, a living composer, James Macmillan. But afterwards... Somebody took a different twist on that. Now, James Macmillan is Scottish, and he was known to support uh, the union of Scotland and England. And one commentator said, in that uh, anthem, nothing shall separate us, was that a subtle hint supporting the union of Scotland and England? Is that what he was trying to say in that? You think, my goodness me. <laughs> and one commentator say, or commenting on that said, when Paul wrote those words, I don't think he knew anything about Scottish independence. <laughs> but you see how 
people can take uh, take a word and twist it and make it say what, in fact, it isn't saying. Now, that is true of this passage. And there are some pitfalls in this if you, uh, if you have a particular slant and you want the Bible to say something which it isn't really saying. Let me give you the two examples. In, in verse 7 um, and, and the second half of it, it says, everyone who loves has been born of God. And in verse 16, uh, towards the end of that, I just need to lift my Bible up. In verse 16, it says this, whoever lives in love lives in God. Now, take those sentences out of context and what you're saying is repeating what Paul McCartney sang and the Beatles. Um, it's a little known fact, but when I was young, people used to think I looked like Paul McCartney, but we'll pass that by. <laughs> But you remember, remember the song, All You Need Is Love. All You Need Is Love. Yeah, 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 all you need is love. I looked at the lyrics yesterday in that song, which only lasts three minutes. He says it 40 times. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love is all you need. All you need is love. And John Lennon in his song, Imagine, where he's saying all we need is to live in peace and harmony. We don't need religion. We don't need all this stuff. All we need is for people to, to get on with, with each other. Well, that would be true, all you need is love, if it was the love of God. That's why we did this, um, and for those watching the video, we, we did a little exercise drawing things that you like. And our, our life is full of things that we like, and we too tend to say, well, I love it. Um, while Fiona was preparing the, the food for today, I, I watched a recording of, from the proms of um, Simon Rattle conducting uh, Mahler's Second Symphony. Amazingly, it lasts for about an hour and ten minutes. Uh, I, I happen to have the score of it because it's a wonderful piece of music. Jo uh, Simon Rattle conducted it from memory. <laughs> but... When they get to the end, there's a choral and the choir is singing and there's a phrase. It's sung in German, but they put the words up, and I shall rise. When I saw that and heard that, a tingle went down my spine. And, and there's things in life that, which we really appreciate. We, you know, it, it makes us feel good. We like, we love. But that isn't the love that is being talked about. If all, if all we needed was love and we like everybody and life is good and everything makes us happy, we'd all be okay. It's a love that is defined by John in this scripture. And can I say, God has the right to define what love is because he is love. He's not coming to it second hand. He's the origin, he's the source of love, so he can say what love is. And it isn't that love is God. It is God is love. And it's a specific God. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It's the God of our father, uh, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's that God who has revealed himself in scripture. He's saying... He is love. It's not that he just loves, which he does. 
It's not that he just gives love, which he does. He is in himself love. That can't understand that. intrinsically in his character so that everything he thinks everything he does every emotion he has is in the context that he is love it, it's like understanding when Jesus said uh, well, well Jesus didn't say I can show you the way what did he say he said I am the way in myself, I am the way. So it's not God is saying, let me tell you what love should be like, which Paul does, because Paul, it's Paul, not, not God speaking in that sense. Love is patient, love is kind. Paul can talk about it, but God can say, I am, I am love. So what is the definition of love in the context of this letter? So um, John has set out some tests just to te test people who say they say they know God. Okay, well, let's put some valid tests against that. And we've looked at some of them. One of the first in chapter two is, if you know God, you will do as he says. The second test is, um, if you love God, you won't hate your brother. Um, if you know God, you're default nature is not to want to keep on sinning those are the tests he put now and now in in chapter 4 and verse excuse me and and verse 8 he puts this other thing whoever does not love does not know god because god is love If you say you know God, you'll have an expression of his love in your life. And that has great implications. Because we become partakers of the divine nature. In Friday Conversation, which if you haven't watched it, um, Matt and I were on there and I'd be prepared, I prepared the wrong bit. But we, were, <laughs> we, we got through. Uh, and at the end we were talking about communion. And the experience of taking ordinary bread and ordinary grape juice or wine and consuming that, and that bread and wine physically becomes part of our body. It becomes me. And in the same way, in that transaction, Jesus becomes part of me so that we, we receive the life of God into us. And if God is in me, and his nature is being expressed in me, then his love in me will be shown through me. And that's what John is saying. If you say you, you, you know God but you don't love, where is his nature? Where is his presence in you? So it comes to a very specific definition of love. And... Um, John has said this before, he's a good teacher because he keeps saying the same thing but in a different way. And that's what we're doing in this series as well. If you, if you remember uh, chapter 3 and verse 1, I quoted it earlier in the service. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. And if you haven't heard Fiona preach on that, look, go to the website. This is love beyond expectation, something we've never experienced before. How God could love us and make us his children. Verse 16, chapter 3. This is how we know what love is. 
Oh, so it isn't I like ice cream, <laughs> you know, um, you, being with you makes me happy. This is the love we're talking about. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And he says that in, again in, in chapter 4 and verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. And we've sung about it in the service this morning. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God and he's responding to us, but that he loved us and we're responding to him. And this is the love that the world needs and this is the love is, which is all you need. And God has defined it, not by a dictionary definition, not by synonyms and unpacking the word, not by so much as that we listen to what he says, we look to what he's done. And we look to the cross. And that is God's word, that is his statement to the world. So all you do need is love, but it's this love. I'm not sure what the Beatles were singing about, but we know what John is talking about. But knowing that love, John argues, is only possible if we know him, the source of love. So let me contradict myself. Love in itself is not enough. John very clearly has said, um, chapter 3 and verse 22, his commands, this is his command, to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and then to one another and then to love one another as, <coughs> excuse me as he commanded so it is faith and love it's receiving what god has given us in jesus christ and if we've done that then the argument proceeds then if we've received that love from god we give it to one another and let's put this letter in context john, john wrote the letter he wrote it in ephesus um, and I've, I think I've clearly said that he's not saying to the whole world, all you need is love, because in Ephesus, they loved other gods. Artemis, were, or the, 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 uh, the, uh, the other name for her was Diana, um, a, a god that had um, great power and influence over the city. And when Paul preached there, he caused a riot because somebody said, Paul is saying this isn't a God <laughs> you know you need to know the living God and so in Ephesus which was an ungodly and a, a, a city where other gods were worshipped John isn't saying to Ephesus people of Ephesus all you need is love all, you know just love one another no he's very clearly saying you need to know the love of God which has come to us in Christ Jesus let's be very clear Verse 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him. So he's not saying, 
Um, if all you're doing is loving, God lives in you. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him. There are, you know, you know this trickle-down economy which we're meant to be enjoying? <laughs> there is a trickle-down uh, with the love of God. So that, you know, we, we, we know uh, forgiveness, we know grace, we know, we know God as our Father. But what John is also saying, one of the trickle-down effects of, uh, about this, in life, it gives us confidence and peace. It takes the hassle and the strain out of life when we know the love of God. Because he says, we rely on the love of God. So it isn't just a historical event the moment I believed in Jesus. I'm now living a life relying on the love of God. It must be what the Bible teaches that presently, so not just historically God showed his love that he sent his only son and we believe that, but presently the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that supreme love of God which was shown in Jesus is now communicated to us on a daily basis by the Holy Spirit. And so today, as we prayed earlier, we can know what this love of God is. And in that we can share it with one another. That's what Sunday morning about is in part about. And I think Keith prayed it uh, earlier in the service that we're here to say, "God, we love you." We, we uh, you know, words can hardly find the we can hardly find the words to say, "We love you, Lord." And we we're blessed to be in this fellowship of loving people. That's part of Sunday morning, but it's also got to be Monday morning. And Tuesday, and when the phone rings and you, you, you get a message that you weren't expecting, it's to rely on the love of God. And this love, it isn't the preferences. I will, I will go with the people I like. I find some people difficult and annoying, so I'll avoid them because they press my buttons and they wind me up the wrong way and I, I've had enough of them. If, God, if Jesus laid down his life for, for us, we ought to lay down our lives for one another. It isn't a love of preference. It's a sacrificial love. It's a, it's a loving, it, it's a, a giving of love which initially doesn't look for any benefit of ourselves but looks for the benefit of others. And, and John is saying... Um, if that's our experience, that we're living in the love of God, we, we have confidence. We have confidence. Um, uh, well, oh, I've missed verse 17. In, in this way, love is made complete among us. That it, it's a present reality. It's a growing experience. It's a, a living reality. But in this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Uh, some, some of my mistakes are well known, but I, I was a, addressing a large Salvation Army meeting. Get people in the gallery, you know, 40-piece brass band behind me. And uh, I was a, a young preacher, and I announced my text today is that 
perfect fear casts out love. Oh. <laughs> but perfect love casts out fear. Now, let's be clear what the scripture is saying. It isn't addressing your fear of mice, you know, your fear of heights. We watched the program about Westminster Abbey and they were abseiling down the front of it and just looking at it on television, my stomach turns over and they go, oh, how on earth do you do that? It isn't those fears. John is addressing the fear of punishment on the day of judgment. That's what he's talking about. And if we've received the love of God and we're living in the love of God and we're expressing the love of God so that when we stand before him on the day of judgment, there is no fear in condemnation because his presence is a living reality within me because he says fear has to do with punishment and we believe God so loved the world that he gave us, his only son, that he took the punishment so that we could be free. But if that's true, that that has been dealt with, then again the trickle effect is, that, and the scripture says, if, uh, if God did not spare his only son, but freely gave him for us all, will he not together with him give us all things? And if God has demonstrated his love in that way to us, when the unexpected phone call comes, when I get the doctor's report, when the unemployment notice comes, when my family are falling apart, do I still have confidence that God loves me and that he is in charge, that he is working out his purpose? Because, again, it's often quoted, sometimes taken out of context, God is able to work together all things for good we need to remember the next bit to those who love him and are called according to his purpose and in that sphere of the love of God we can be at peace it's what Jesus said most one of the most uh, often things he said to his disciples just don't be afraid can't go into all the details but I was in court for two days this week having to give evidence and um there was a serious issue at hand and I was one of the witnesses. Well, I was one of the accused as well. Um, but before, before the whole proceedings began, I just remembered what uh, the scripture says. When you're delivered up before the magistrates, don't be afraid what you, what you will say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words. Uh, and actually... Um, not only me, but everybody who was involved in it, it went really well. We've got to wait eight weeks for the judgment, um, but, but there's a confidence in us. And, and we do face challenging times. In our church, we, we know of that. Um, in the world. But we rely on the love of God. And in that sense, his perfect love drives out our fear, our anxiety, our uncertainty. So that's why I wanted us to pray at the beginning this, this morning, fill me with your love and fill me with your peace. Can we, can we, can we do that now uh, again? Having heard what the, what the word of God says, we, we, know, we know what this love is. We're, we're not wishy-washy. We're not, oh, well, just get on with everybody. We, 
we, we know the definition, we know what God has done, and we need to be not only recipients of that, but heralds of it, demonstration of, of what it is that this love, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. Can we pray together?